following Jesus. Get started here. sick last week. Um, people in the main that we know are sick. I'm glad you're not sick. Unless you're sick in the head. And that is a sickness that we can fix. I'm just kidding. All right, well. Uh, so you're looking at me with that face like, hey, turn your thing off. So I just did. All right. I would like to tell you today that I'm going to tell you about a prowler that's in your neighborhood. I've been teasing you, and now it's time for me to produce. There's a prowler in your neighborhood. Now, in my neighborhood, it's a circle. It's like this. It's a circle. Come down this road. Come down this little road, and it's a circle. Tiny bits right over here, and it's a circle. And uh, houses along here, down the middle. And every once in a while... There is a strange car that comes through the neighborhood slowly. Morning, late afternoon, sometimes late at night. Comes around, goes real slow. And sometimes there are people on bikes that come around, strangers we never saw before. Sometimes people are walking through, noontime. Different times of the day, people are coming through. And then we hear reports about people having things stolen from them. One neighbor saw a guy reach into his, her mailbox and pull out her mail, just walking by, broad daylight. So they came over and said, hey, watch out, things like that. Then there's another neighbor who sits up at night by her windows facing the street, and she sits at her window, and she just watches cars go by. And when she sees a stranger coming by, she gets out of her, of her bed. She's an older, retired United Airlines employee, and she's got a mouth. She's the mouth from the south. She's a Hawaiian lady, which has nothing to do with having a big mouth, but that's just her. She comes out and uh, she just confronts people. Hey, who are you? Uh, no, I don't know you. I don't, remember, I don't recognize your car. Get out of here. That's how she talks. And so she chases them away. But sometimes people go around. There are prowlers in the neighborhood. I saw 
I saw the camera was a closed circuit camera facing down into the counter, cashier and curbside, a foreign country. A car pulled up, three or four stalls down from the entrance of this little shop and the guy opened the door like that. The back left passenger door. Pacemaker opened the door and then he got out and he made like he's talking on his phone. A little girl walked up that street toward this other shop to buy can of soda or something like that after school. And this guy was on the phone like this and kind of doing that. And the camera showed this woman taking the transaction and then she noticed the guy by the car. And the girl, as she walked back toward where she came from, toward that car, this guy got off of his phone and turned toward the girl. And the girl, the cashier, quickly ran and grabbed her and got in between the guy and the car. And took her this side. The guy went around, shut the door, went around, and they took off. She got on her phone, took a picture, a video of the camera, of the car license. You know what that guy was trying to do? Trying to duck that little girl. Horrible. Broad daylight. There is a power in our neighborhood that does things not like that literally, but something as bad to us. I want to tell you about that today in this class, and I want you to be alert to your enemy. Uh, our text for the month is Philippians 127, which says this, Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. I take that verse to say this to us as a church, that as a church we stand together against certain things and for certain things, and that we work together as a church so that you can stand fast and not be a victim of some prowler in your neighborhood. And so that's where I'm coming from for the month of January, and I'm covering a lot of things that I hope will be thorough enough and yet not too graphic so that you can get the point and uh, make the adjustments in your own life and see yourself as a potential victim of this enemy that's in your neighborhood. Now, uh, we have an enemy, guess who that is? Well, 1 John 2, 16 says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, that's two enemies right there. The world, the world, and the lust of the flesh, that's two enemies already, but there's another one. Ephesians 6, 11 tells us, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay, now we have a real strong clue about the real power in our neighborhood that is our enemy that is trying to take something from you. You have this person called the devil. In Ephesians 6, 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so we have an enemy. He's called the devil. Now, this devil... This devil has certain characteristics about him. But I want to tell you this, that the devil has been called by several names to, to identify him and his characteristics. The devil is called an angel of light. An angel of light means he's deceptive. He can come across as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but he is a false gospel, a false witness, a false pastor, a false minister, a false apostle. They transform themselves into the apostles of Christ, 1 Corinthians 11. So he is described like a false Apostle, a fallen angel, or an angel of light. Now, you wouldn't think an angel of light is bad. When you hear people talk about, I saw an angel. How do they describe the angel? Bright. Bright. Shining. It's really spooky when someone gives a testimony and say, I was sleeping, and then all of a sudden, I felt something sitting in my bed, in the corner of my bed. Now, that's spooky. 
And then I opened my eyes and I had to squint because there was a bright light that filled my room. And sitting in the corner of my bed was an angel. Now that's, that's very bizarre to have someone as a Christian testify or a non-Christian testify that an angel came into the room. Now if that ever happened to you, you know what you ought to do? Reach for your handgun. <laughs> reach for a baseball bat. Reach for a club. And don't just say, oh, Jesus, let me hug you. No, no, no. It may not be Jesus. And so uh, he's described as an angel of light. He's also described as a serpent. Okay, so you have him described as an angel of light and as a serpent because not only is he deceptive, he's very sly and subtle. There's an actor called Sly Stallone. I don't know why it's called Sly Stallone, but sly is to say he's very subtle. A snake does that. Now, right now in Australia, they have a lot of tournaments of tennis going on. But Australia is a very big country, and all the big state, major cities have the, the population. You go into the outback, what do you find there? Blue and onion. <laughs> outback, yeah. steakhouse, blue and onion. Yeah. Okay, I'll never use that one again. You go into the outback back like that you find all these creatures the most poisonous snakes are living in australia every once in a while i've come across drinks we talk about these kind of things oh yeah yeah we don't want to go in the outback we don't want to go there's really hot hundreds of miles before you get to a gas station kind of thing very desolate very extreme don't want to go up there and yet you have their snakes all kinds of creatures sometimes they come into a community and uh they, they don't just show up they suddenly come in you open a door, there they are. Over in West Texas, they have different kinds of snakes in the summertime. They come up to the porch, open the screen door, and in comes a snake. All kind of things like that happen. They are subtle, they're not in your face, but they're there. Sometimes you you walk and you go through in the fall before it gets really cold and they kind of get slow and hibernate, whatever. Uh, you can even step on one. Sometimes you be mowing grass, mowing a lawn, and then uh, because They'll come out after you have passed over a part of the grass. It happened one time with my father-in-law, and he said, what is it, water moccasin? Or something? He ran over it. He ran over a water moccasin, and it was kind of scary. And one time I stepped and moved some bricks from something, and I reached down to it, and he said, snake! Well, when you say snake to me, I'm gonna react. <laughs> when you say snake to me. And so I did, I jumped away like a cat, you know, uh, hot water, whatever like that. And I, I said, you, you can take it to the yard yourself. I'll, I'll help you next time. Call me when you're done. I'll be like a blister show up when the work's done. Did you catch that one? <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the intelligent people are not here. They're sick. <laughs> so there is an enemy, and he is described as a, as a serpent and as an angel of light. But it's also described in another way. He's described as a roaring lion in First Peter. He's like a roaring lion. Now you know, it's kind of fascinating to me how this all comes about. A roaring lion. Now, I am trying to show you the seriousness and the, the danger of these animals. And these animals are powerful. And He's described as a roaring lion. A roaring lion. You ever see a lion attack an animal? It's kind of, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of bloody, gory. Thankfully, they don't show the video of all the things, but sometimes they do that. And you know, a lion, 
a lion is like that. Um, you have, of course, male lions and female lions, and this little sketch of a of a lion that is a a male lion. Now, this male lion, they have uh, characteristics about it that makes me think. Well, no wonder, no wonder the Lord used the Bible uses a lion as a picture of the devil because of the way that it does, the way that it it behaves. Now, they all have certain instincts. And these lions, their instinct is to do certain things. And the lion, living out in Africa and other places, you know, they they do certain things toward other animals. It's because they have an instinct to eat. They gotta eat meat. And these lions, these lions, they are relentless. Now, the male lion is heavier than the female lion, which is kind of good news for humans. But the male lion is heavier. It could weigh up to 580 pounds, which is like really big and heavy. Big and heavy, 580 pounds. Female lion, only 400 pounds. That's encouraging. They're non-Samoan lions. All right, that's just not real good there. Now, the male lion, they need meat. They need to have meat. They gotta have meat. You know, a male lion has to eat about 80 pounds of meat a day. That's a lot of meat. 80 pounds. I looked at that, I was researched, I said, that cannot be 80 pounds. They gotta have 80 pounds of meat. They have a short digestive system, and so they they don't have to, um, you know, spend a lot of time to eat, and then they rest, they digest, and then they gotta eat again. So they are just hungry, hungry animals. They just gotta eat. And uh, they are not gonna stop until they get something to eat. That's the nature of a lion. All right, now sometimes lions, uh, especially the males, they hunt alone. They hunt alone, they do solo hunts. And, um, and then sometimes they hunt in pairs or in packs or, you know, in the lion pride and all that. But the, the lion, a lion is very subtle. It can move slowly and quietly and they can, you ever seen them going like that and they'll, they'll They'll see some wildebeest. They see some giraffe. They'll see anything that's got four legs to it. They're thinking, they're thinking meat. They gotta have meat. And they will creep up, get closer and closer. Now they can run fast, but they can't run long. They'll attack in short bursts up to 35 miles an hour, but only for a short time. And so they have to get as close as they can. And when they creep up, you see the muscles in the shoulders and legs. And then they can jump too. If they jump, they can jump 35 feet. And they can climb. These are not elementary, cute little animals. They're vicious. And they get close enough, and then pretty soon, at the right moment, they will attack. And when they go, they'll attack any animal. They'll attack babies, calves, the water buffalo, sometimes elephant, sometimes hippos. And sometimes hippos fight back, but a lot of times they lose. Wild beast, favorite kind of meat for them. 
They like the taste of wallabies. It's like teriyaki to them. Just love that flavor. But they will go and they will get what they want. They are meant to kill. They are they are meant to attack. And uh, they, they kill with their mouths. They kill with their mouths with their jaws. Do you know, this is so fascinating to me at least. Is this someone interesting to you? This crowd that's in our neighborhood, in our yard, is likened to a lion. He's got 30 teeth in his mouth. I didn't count it. I believe the report. <laughs> 18 are incisors for grinding, and then the other rest are those sharp canine teeth. You know what it's for? When they attack, and they get, they get on this creature here, the teeth will sink into its flesh, and they do not let go. Eventually, they work, and as the animal thrashes around, these guys get underneath. And you know what they go for? When they get underneath the creature, they go underneath, they grab onto the throat. And they hang onto those, to the throat with their sharp teeth, and they do not let go. And they grab, and they hang on, and they just pull and tear and do that. And they're trying to choke. They're trying to suffocate the animal. Sometimes they'll get on the face, the nostrils and the mouth of the animal and just bite on that and just keep it from breathing. And while that's going on, their buddies, their cousins, jump on the animal too and they bite on it and they pull and they tear. This poor creature is suffering while he's being killed. And then, finally the struggle's over and they begin to eat and then all the the second tree come in and begin to eat too. Oh wow, free meal. And this creature will eat up to 80 pounds a day. And after he's done, he'll go hunt again. That's a lion. That's a male lion and the female's are even as bad. So equal opportunity. It's funny and it's amazing and it's very appropriate that God uses a lion as the image of what the devil is like. He's like a angel that transforms himself as an angel of light. He's like a serpent, but he's also like a roaring lion. You know, they say lions, they don't really roar when they're hungry. Maybe their stomachs growl. <laughs> you can get it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Their stomachs growl. <clears throat> their stomachs growl. But they say, and I'm not sure if this is true, because the videos that I've seen, they don't growl. Ah! after they kill, but they, they will pull and drag their, their kill somewhere, and then they just like that, put their like, paw like that and just and lick. You know their tongues have got ridge, ridges on the facing inside, so when they lick, they could actually lick your skin off your body when they lick at you because of the way the tongue is designed. Yeah, they're vicious creatures, and uh, they'll just sit there like that, you know, and then the hyenas come by, and then the chase of the hyenas, Hyena is not a vicious, ugly creature. They look like bats. Bat-faced and dog-like creatures. They're vicious too. But the lion sits there, you know, and just, just, and he begins to feast. There's a good reason why the Bible describes the lot, the devil, like a roaring lion. Merciless. They will go after, they will go after calves, water buffalo calves. They will go after adults. They will go after the weak. They will go after anybody. They do not care who they eat. The lion does not care what it eats. It will eat anything because it has this 
insatiable appetite to get more and more meat. You know, polar bears are like that too. Polar bears, they live to eat flesh. That's why people work up way up north like that. They have they have weapons to protect themselves every once in a while. Um, anyway, the bear, the bear is not the, the image of the devil. It is the lion. So there is a prowler in your home, around your home. The prowler is looking for any unlocked locks. He's jiggling at the door to see if he can turn and get in. He's looking at the windows to see if he can get in. He's walking around the front, the back. He's on your patio. He wants to get into your house for what reason? For what reason? Why does the lion stalk a prey? It's not to be friendly. You are really foolish to think the devil is your friend. You know, unsaved people are really foolish sometimes when it comes to spiritual things. They think, well, the devil, the devil, ha ha, you know, pitchfork red, you know, a little horns, you know, red, you know, ha ha ha, funny, funny, funny. Halloween is a real funny time, they say, to make fun of the devil, make light of him. The devil is likened to be a roaring lion. As far as I can tell, anything that I've seen about lions, they live for one reason. They live to kill so that they can eat. How many pounds does a male lion need to eat a day? Five. Eighty. That's a lot of meat, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, and they die just quickly. And when they need more, you know what they do? They don't call Uber Eats. They don't have delivery to your home. They have to go out their own to get some of food, fresh food. And I was going to say that they're very cruel. The devil's very cruel, like a lion's cruel. They go after little newborn animals. They go after some that are weak. They go after the ones that are struggling and get disoriented. And they will, lions work together. They don't just go out there and charge. They have a plan. It's amazing how wise and how crafty and how organized they are. They will chase animals this way, they'll run away. Animals think, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, we're getting away from the lion. And they're being chased into a crowd of lions over here. Really smart, clever. And that's why Paul warns about the wiles of the devil. Because you and I who are Christians, you and I who have been saved even for a long time, we cannot think that we are so wise and so smart and so mature that we don't have to have God's protection against the walls of the devil. Much clever, more clever than you can imagine because he's been experienced for such a long time. Who do you think you are that you can outsmart the devil by your own cleverness? You're just running into a trap. So I'm trying to tell you to set the stage about what I'm trying to teach this month is that you have a real enemy, the adversary, the devil. Not a symbolic thing for evil, but a real personality, a spiritual being, not a physical being, but a spiritual being called the devil. And he's the enemy of, of Christians for sure. He's the enemy of people in general. Now the devil is not the cause of every problem in this world. He's not the cause of every problem, but he's the cause of many problems. The devil cannot be everywhere at the same time, but does the devil not have an army of demons? Does he not have a kingdom? Well, if you have a kingdom, you have servants. You can't be everywhere. The king can't be everywhere at one time, but he has people who carry out his mission. His mission statement is to kill, rob, and to destroy. That's his mission. And guess who is the target? Who is the target of the, the, uh, the devil? The Christian. 
you are a prime target. The devil hated Jesus Christ when he was on earth, tried to keep him being born, tried to kill him when he was born. And you see the pattern of the devil, his viciousness, his cruelty, no mercy with him at all. You ever see these programs, these movies where um, somebody's got a sword at somebody's throat in a gladiator to fight of some kind, and then uh, the emperor does this. Well, you thought gestures didn't have any meanings. They have meaning. The emperor does this, or he does that. You know what that means. And sometimes this gladiator who has respect for his fellow gladiator, I don't know how that works out, but sometimes they just have a friendship and he's not going to kill him. And this guy looks at him like, okay. And this guy said, no, I'm not going to kill you. And everybody goes, ooh, ooh, ooh kill him. And uh, that never really does happen because the devil is not really merciful. And if you play his game and hold his hand or hold his paw, or hold his claw or play, you never see these guys in the show to open up the, the alligator's mouth, put the head in like that, Florida or wherever, some kind of zoo, they do that. You know, I wouldn't do that. You have people that play with bears. They train bears. The bears are like, oh, and they're scratching the bear. The bear's hugging them. You ever, you ever, ladies and gentlemen, I would never pretend that the lion does not have a lion's nature. A lion has a lion's nature. It has its instincts. And a lion is temperamental. And if you ever get on his wrong side, just because you tease me, nah, 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 and he gets upset with you because he's a woke lion, and he's upset with you, uh, you're gone. And so, one swipe of his powerful claw, one bite of his powerful jaw. Now, his the PSI pressure of his jaw is not as is not the most powerful of the carnivorous animals. Uh, some dogs have more powerful PSI, pounds per square inch pressure, but it's the teeth. It's those teeth that can sink in. It's those teeth. One of these days I preached about the Komodo dragon. That's another vicious creature. <laughs> they eat animals alive. Huh? Yes, that's why I married you. <laughs> so you understand that he is not your friend. You understand that he's your enemy. You understand, and I want to set the stage again to say that the lion is the great example of the Bible saying what the devil is like. And so they have no guilt when they kill their prey, when they stop. They have no guilt at all. Like the devil has no guilt. The devil does not care if he destroys your home. If he destroys your home, he doesn't care. If he destroyed your children, get your kids into drugs and all kinds of uh, evilness, he doesn't care about that. He has no capacity to care. If he wants to destroy your relationship as husband and wife, he doesn't care. I would even say that he laughs and mocks and enjoys it. That's his nature. The nature of a lion is to enjoy its kill. What else can I put here about what he's after, what he, what he targets? Okay. Church. Okay, church, yeah. You know, the devil would like to have a church fail. Mm -hmm. The devil would like to have a church sink into debt, sink into uh, obscurity, to not have an effect in this community. The devil would like to have it done to a church. He doesn't care. Why would he care for and like and coddle an entity, and living organism that is against him? You want to destroy your enemy. What else does the devil go after? What is of value to you? Well, I'll put them relationships in the plural because 
It does include your relationship with God and other people, like your husband, your wife, your children, other people. And if he can ruin things for you, don't you ever doubt that he will try to ruin things for you because he is a roaring lion. He's your adversary. An adversary is your enemy. Now, in World War II, you had opposing countries fighting against each other. You had the Axis powers, which would be Germany and Japan. Then you had the allies. The allies, the allies were United States, uh, United Kingdom, and of all places, Soviet Union. <laughs> but they were allies against the Axis powers, and they were opposing to each other. They were fighting each other. They were enemies. And the way to stop your enemy is to kill your enemy. Now I know that doesn't sound politically correct, but the way you, in a real life and death situation, is you defeat your enemy so that you don't have to be killed. Again, I said that sounds kind of crude in, in our climate today, but you do not negotiate with your enemy in, in this sense. You don't, in, you don't negotiate with a lion. Once the lion is charging, it has the intent to kill and to eat. You do not negotiate with a lion. You get away. I don't know how you're going to get away. Get on your skateboard and get away. Get on your moped and get away. Get on your golf cart and get away. But it will get you, likely. But you try to resist the attack. You try to fight back. You try to escape. But it's very difficult to escape when the line is after you. And you, you try to fake them out. You know, fake them out. No, they will fake you out. They'll anticipate your move and they'll get you. And I've seen so many animals that, like this animal here, that if they have an event to gore, they can. But the line is so clever. It is so, it is so clever. It will, it will jump on to the back of the animal, topple it over, and then it will go for its throat. Once the animal is on its back, it is helpless. Now his horns protect him and his young, but once he's on his back, he, he struggles. He's not moving anywhere. It's a hopeless death. It's sure. And that line just goes for his throat and just clamps on and just suffocates him. And they begin to eat him from the back and from the leg and from the belly. And they just are vicious animals. That's the nature of the devil. You want to be sure that you're not a victim of him. And you want to be sure that you're protected from the devil's attacks. So he says in our text, be sober, be vigilant. Be sober. Be sober. Be vigilant. Okay, uh, you know what uh, you know what the opposite of sober is? Drunk. <laughs> yeah. When someone is under the influence, they're not sober. They're not walking straight. They're not thinking straight. They're not reasoning straight. They've lost the ability to reason things properly. They're not sober. Opposite of sober is silly, silliness, a silly person. Someone who never takes anything seriously. They're not sober-minded. Now, sometimes religious people get a real bad knock because they are so strict in their living. Uh, I think the Puritans have gotten a reputation of being very sober. It's because they wear dark colors, they wear hats, and you know, and uh, they wear big buckle belts. <laughs> and they, they have no fun in life. Well, that is an extreme view of what sober means. However, the Christian is supposed to be sober-minded. Not everything is fun and games. Not everything is a picnic. 
Now, I like picnics because you can play softball, you can play volleyball, you can throw a frisbee, you can sit there, eat all you want. And uh, it's fun to have a picnic. It's relaxing. It's to get away from work and get away from this, that. You just relax under a tree and have a good day with Christian friends. It's a good thing to have fellowship like that. However, life is not a picnic. Someone said, life is not a picnic. It's a battleground. Now, with that image in mind, you can understand why someone would say that. Because if you're out where there are lions, it is a battleground. It's life and death. You better protect yourself. You better be careful where you're going. Don't get separated from the, the convoy or from the, the tourist group. Stay where you are safe. The devil, then, is our enemy. And we're told to be sober, be vigilant. Vigilant means to, kind of like um, uh, walk guard, be alert, be alert, be alert. We have a friend who cannot come to Hawaii anymore. He and his wife, they come every 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 winter for about nine, 10 years. He used to always come and stay with us and I mean, at our church and live out in Hawaii. Um, Brother First from South Dakota. Health prevents them from coming the last year or two, and uh, besides COVID. But he told me, result of having fellowship over ice cream. That's a good thing. They bought some ice cream, wanted us to try it out because it was one of these non-traditional ice cream sticks. It was kind of a healthy ice cream stick. And I said, healthy ice cream, they probably don't taste good, taste like medicine. He said, oh no, no, it's got real good flavor to it. I said, uh, he said, here, take one, take one. I ate one, it was so good. I said, can I have another one? We're sitting down on his porch on the seventh floor, looking at the Wai'anae Bay, and having a good time talking. And then he's talking about different things. He says this, you know, uh, I have this, that's a great tool to have a time. He says, every day I check my bank account, every day. Every day I look at my tablet, I check my bank account to see what's there, what transactions are made. I want to make sure that nobody got into my account and did an unauthorized transaction. You know what he's being, you know, you know what he was doing? He was being vigilant about his money. He wanted to be sure at the moment, every day, checking his account to see if there's any unauthorized transaction. To him, rightfully so, he cannot afford to have people taking money from his account without his permission. So he's checking vigilantly every day his account. And the idea of being sober and vigilant is like that, where you walk guard carefully, you pay attention to what you're doing, what you're thinking, you make sure that you don't get into an area that's dangerous for you spiritually, so that you don't become a victim of that roaring lion. A lot of times when there's a stampede, lions just wait, because they don't want to get trampled on. Every once in a while, one brave lion will go in and just grab one and pull them away. Usually they just wait until the dust settles and then they watch for the stragglers behind and then they go after those. They can do that. You don't want to be a straggler spiritually. You don't want to be one that is vulnerable spiritually to the devil, the roaring lion. That is the prowler in the neighborhood. Now, what does he attack? Oh, by the way, has the Lord given you provision for protection? I think you need to realize this. You and I have some responsibilities for our own protection. It is to know who our enemy is. It is to know what armor God has given to us. And then it is to put on that armor. And we are to resist the devil. First Peter says, resist steadfastly in the faith. Uh, James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So he does attack, that's his nature. He is vicious, that's his nature. He has no mercy in you. That's his nature. If he can destroy you in your life and destroy everything that's good in your life, that'll make him just roar in happiness. You don't want to be a victim of him. 
Now, you need to be so reminded about these things and be vigilant about these things because the devil is a real entity, a real spiritual person, a real spiritual being that is your enemy, and he's on the prowl. He's in your neighborhood. He could be on your porch. <clears throat> he could be coming through your phone. He could be coming through your computer. He could be coming through an app that you're, you're frequenting. He could be, you see, that's how it all works out. Uh, they keep roaming, you know, these lines do. They keep roaming until they find what they're looking for. So, I think devices and modern communities are very helpful, but with everything good, there's a downfall to it. Do you realize that to be true? With everything convenient and helpful to us, I mean, look, on, on your phone, you got everything, you got your life on your phone, but you also have access to a lot of things too on your phone. And it's through that, that could be a, 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 a piece of territory which the devil can work through to get to you. So whatever you do, you need to be sober, you need to be vigilant. Now, I must confess to you that there's certain things that I am attracted to. I like to see um, football highlights where the plays of the game, I like to see that. I like to see tennis highlights, I enjoy that. I like to see shorts, short clips of people doing things. I love to watch with my wife, this old house. We have a good time watching this one. We can watch that. In fact, we watch maybe too much of that when we have downtime. But it's so enjoyable. It's so relaxing, it seems like. But that innocent little activity could become a downfall too, where it eats up all of your time. And so all kind of things can deteriorate because of something that's not bad. So I'm trying to tell you as a church, so we can stand together and strive together as a church to be stronger together as a church, to not let things that are even good become bad for you. I love sports. Can't do much of it uh, like I used to. Lost my speed. Race with the grandkids. I always lose. You know why? I let them win. <laughs> Actually, they beat me. And if I don't warm up and stretch, I'll feel it. <laughs> oh. oh, my hands, honey. Oh, my legs are so stiff. Oh, what happened? I raced with the kids. Now, she doesn't ask who won, although she does ask who won. I, I lie, so I won. But, uh, you know, my legs are tight. I have to stand, I have to, you know, put my leg up here and, and stretch up. Oh, man, sometimes I wake up at night, it'll just, it'll make me sit bolt straight up in, the, in my bed because of the cramps. I didn't warm up enough. Well, you know, I like sports, but I can't do much of it like I want to anymore. I still can play tennis. I can fake playing tennis. I can fake golfing. I can fake um, uh, other things, but... Uh, not very long. I have very thin skin, literally, because of the age. And I was playing tag, flag football, or football, and then basketball. And one with some of the grandkids, they're kind of wild, you know. They just slap like that, <laughs> like they hit. And then I got whack, over, whack, over, and my skin bruises. I got bruises on my arm. See that? You know what that is? Violent grandkids. <laughs> Violent grandkids. And then, you know they slap around like that. I said foul, foul, and they said, well, I didn't touch you. I said, look at that. And in seconds, things just turns purple. In seconds, shh, like that. I'm getting old. Skin's getting thinner, so what my dermatologist says. I like to pretend I'm not getting older, but my skin does not lie to me. So I'm very careful. So I always tell them, don't touch my skin. <laughs> I used to wrestle with them. I don't wrestle anymore because they touch my skin. You cannot touch my skin. I'm very sensitive. I'm sensitive. The devil is our enemy, and we are to be sober and vigilant because of the nature of the devil. 
Now, the problems that you have are not always because of the devil, but the devil can use things, can use people to grieve you, to make you lose your joy, lose your zeal for Christ, to get you angry at one another, to destroy your home. He do everything to break this up. He do everything to break that up. He do everything to break that up. He do everything to sink you into an attitude and a mindset of just anything goes for me. My happiness is my mean going life. He can get you to be all messed up in your relationship, and there's more. And I'll put that like this, etc. I want to emphasize to you how important it is for you to get what I'm trying to help you with this January because I believe from experience and by the experience of others and from the Bible exact the Bible for sure that your enemy has no mercy on you and me. And when he destroys you, he'll step on your head, he'll step on your corpse, and he'll laugh at you. And his army will laugh too, because he won. You don't want to be a victim of the devil. So be sober, be vigilant. Now, I want to say something else before I get to another five minutes here. Where does he attack primarily? A lot of places, but we have to land somewhere. I want to say this. He attacks your this. Your mind. He attacks your mind. He attacks what you think. He attacks how you understand, how you process things, how you look at information, and how you deal with problems in your life, and how you deal with life in general. He attacks that. He makes you think. Well, he doesn't make you think, but he gets you to think. He encourages you to think. He deceives you to think. He lies to you to think certain things about certain problems. And I want to say that to you today, that he attacks your mind. Because if he can attack your mind and influence your mind to think wrong about things, then your actions will be wrong about things. Wrong thinking, wrong action. Wrong thinking, wrong action. Wrong thinking, wrong behavior. He will get you to think that you need to respond to problems the way the world responds to problems. Now look, I don't have a, I don't have a lot of things that I used to have before because I kind of grew up some. But I don't watch a lot of things on TV that most Americans watch. Uh, back in the 80s, we had daytime talk shows hosted by people like Maury Povich, I think, and then you had some other characters. And on the program, it was all about domestic issues. So here came the guest, this, this young married wife of three years, and she's the guest. And then here comes her husband, or her husband's backstage. And the issue is about, well, how's it going at home? Oh, it's horrible. Why is it horrible? And it's all provocative stuff. It's all making the viewer and the, the, the TV audience begin to pick sides. Now listen carefully. They pick sides for the wife or for the husband. And then the, the, the silly uh, host, so what do you think? What do you think about what she said? And what do you think about what he said? And what do you think about what she, What should she do? What should he do? Now I'm thinking in amazement, why in the world would you, what would you drag your problems in front of the whole world and have the audience decide what to do? That is pure silliness. And the devil says, yeah, this is good, this is good. And pretty soon people pass on that information, they adopt it and they use it at home and things just blow up even more. It is not crazy, it is wicked. 
the influence that people get by something like that, and then the devil is just sitting back going, where'd I go, man? I did another one. I'm so good. I am great. I'm all wise. I'm pop. I'm good. I know what I'm doing. I sunk another couple. I sunk another home. They're behaving exactly like I want them to. They're at each other's throat. This is great. They're screaming. They're young. They're fighting. He raises his voice. She raises his voice. Good for her. This is wonderful. They're having a good time. The devil's crowd is. And they're just rejoicing because they're causing the destruction of another home. And then the kids are out of control. The kids get no attention. The kids are left alone. Their peers become their advisors. How horrible is that for kids' friends to become their advisors about important things in life? They're left alone. The Bible says in Proverbs, a child left himself, bringing to his mother shame. But they're so occupied fighting with each other, they neglect the most important thing in their lives that God let them have, children. And they are ignoring them to be on their own. Then the TV babysit them. And not caring about the spiritual needs that they have and the physical needs that they have. Oh, they might make them a, um, uh, a TV dinner once in a while and shove a bottle of milk in their mouth and let them go and change the diaper once a week like that. But other than that, they don't take much care to them. They don't take much care. They don't give them much attention. And the home falls apart. You can expand that to many kinds of relationships. <clears throat> Friendships. Church relationships. Uh, your relationship to God. So big areas that I want to cover, but I want to hone in on some things too. But the thing that you want to see today is the devil attacks your mind. And he will get you to think all kinds of wrong things that you're going to think is right to do. And it only spirals downward. It never goes up. It goes downward. Uh, I want you to know that the devil is a tempter. He's a dragon. He's a serpent. He's a angel of light. But that does not come close to the evenness of being a roaring lion. Folks, I want you to look at this little drawing here. And I want you to think about the seriousness of how we can become victims to a lion. But we don't have to be. I want to continue this at 1045. I want to continue what I'm talking about, what I'm trying to help you to understand, because I am here to just help you to be strong and to stand up, to resist the devil and not be a victim of him. I am, I have had, I've had so many heartaches in my life as a pastor, seeing people go their own way, do their own thing, think their own way, try to solve problems themselves without God's help, and it has fallen apart. But I have seen every once in a while, people's lives restored, brought back to where it should be where there was violence, screaming, yelling, raised voices. Now it's a quiet, peaceful home where there's a lot of love and compassion for each other and consideration. All because they found what the Bible said, they knew what God expected of them, and they put their way aside, put their thinking aside, and put God's mind into their lives so they can carry what God said to do. And in time, things get better. That is always going to be like that. It'll get better or things will go worse. It's because your mind's been either renewed or your mind is continually being messed up by the devil.
I sure hope you choose to have your minds renewed. Okay, let's take a short break.